Welcome to the Wheel of Sport, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally, and all the way in Edinburgh, Scotland is... Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery. I think I might drop the, the saying it twice, Ian. I'm getting sick yeah. of it. <laughs> this is our 50th episode, Matt. It's only just beginning. <laughs> wow. Let me get this you wheel know, spinning. Who knows, by the 100th episode, you'll be see, saying your name three times. Oh, wow. <laughs> Imagine. Dream that dream. The topic for this episode is... It's against all odds, Ian. And I'm going to take this one if that's all right. Against all odds. Against all odds. I've got one of the greatest upsets in sport ever to tell you about, I reckon. That is a big claim, Matt. It is a big claim, but I'm going to back it up. It's the story of (laughs) Buster Douglas, James Buster Douglas, who knocked out Mike Tyson. Uh, a famous boxer, Mike Tyson. I was going to say there, Matt. I was going to stop you and say, hold on, let me guess what sport Buster (laughs) Douglas is taking part in. He could be nothing else than a boxer, could he? Absolutely. Well, this this is a story of, of a guy, Buster Douglas, who for one night fulfills his potential to knock out the most famous, probably most successful boxer in the world at that time uh, in Mike Tyson. It's a story of two completely different types of boxers. Um, Mike Tyson is, you know, really well known at this period. He's he's just a machine. He's, he's, he's won 37 th- fights out of 37. Um, he's undisputed champion of the world. He's never even really been challenged. Nobody's even ever given him a fight. He just, he just batters people. And he's, uh, he's facing uh, Buster Douglas, who has a reputation for sort of not really living up to his potential. He's not somebody who really gets into the main event fights. He's never, he's never really held a title. He's, he's had problems with his weight. He's, people say he gives up. He's a, he's a quitter. And, and Mike Tyson is the opposite. Mike Tyson is just so focused and determined on what he wants to, to do, which is just beat people up. I may as well mention at the start of the show, obviously, Mike Tyson is, like, a really bad guy. But he was in the hangover, Matt. He can't yeah. be that bad, can he, hey? I'm not going to talk uh... about uh, Mike Tyson's sort of uh, out-of-the-ring antics uh, and criminal activities because, uh, yeah, but I just I want to be clear, in no way am I glamorising this fella who's who's an absolute bad guy. But in this story, anyway, he's going to lose, so that that's all right. I think you talked about Tyson being so determined and ruthless i suppose the word when you see tyson fight the word that comes to my mind is mean yeah he's a mean fighter he's like he's so you get the sense that there's something beyond boxing that he's trying to accomplish he's not just trying to win the fight he's trying to break the other person defeat them pummel them that's it yeah he's absolutely he's like a shark you know he's he's really really tough but i'll start off by talking about buster douglas because he's the real hero of this story so uh, james buster douglas he's, he's born in 1960 but his dad a uh, working man uh, hugely passionate about boxing and his dad used to um, actually be a bit of a boxer himself um you know go down the gym before work after work he'd get go sparring and at the weekends have fights i mean it was all amateur stuff but he's Really passionate about boxing, and he, he's got his nickname Dynamite, uh, which I which I love. Um, <laughs> so so Billy uh, Dynamite Douglas has you know re- got a reputation for just being a really mean, tough boxer. Okay, he, it's all amateur, as I say, but if you're fighting uh, Dynamite Douglas, he's going to make it difficult for you. You know, he'd break people's noses, he'd break ribs. He was just he was just tough. 
okay? And he pushes his son, uh, James, or, or Buster is his nickname, into boxing when he's, when he's a young guy. And he thought Buster had the potential to sort of make a career of, of boxing, but, but Buster just lacks that intensity of his father, okay? So whilst Dynamite is a real mean guy, Buster is sort of, he doesn't love it. He's not really passionate about it. He, his career starts off pretty well. He gets a few wins, but in between fights, he just get, lets himself get out of shape. Whereas his dad would never do that. His dad's always in the gym, you know, always ready, always in shape, loves boxing. Whereas for Buster, it's it's a job, you know, and he, he looks forward to not having a fight so he doesn't have to train. He looks forward to just being able to relax. To be honest, uh, with a dad like that, I'll be looking forward to any time away from my dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it sounds like brutal. You know, like he could have had an interest in musical theatre. But there was no, he stood no chance, did he? <laughs> yeah, that's it. So his dad's really pushed him into the into the boxing. But he's, I mean, look, he's still, he's still, he's good, right? And it's not like uh, Buster doesn't doesn't enjoy it. He just maybe doesn't love it, and he doesn't have that sort of uh, single minded, um, you know, focus and determination, I guess, to make you one of the greats. And he's sort of going nowhere. And then at twenty four years old, he gets a new coach. Well, he asks his uncle to to coach him. And his uncle introduces him to a guy called John Johnson, who basically sees Buster as having this huge potential. Um, and he ha- it's a pretty cool story. The first meeting they have, John Johnson meets Buster, goes into the kitchen and comes back with a paper plate. And he shows it to Buster and he says, this is what we have at the moment. Nothing. But if you work hard and you, and you give it your best and you're willing to make sacrifices, this plate will be full of money. (laughs) Surely the metaphor is full of food. (laughs) I think you're going to say full of beans on toast or something. Yeah, no, no, no. (laughs) We're not putting steaks on this plate. We're going to put money on this plate. But but Johnson believes that that, uh, Buster could be the heavyweight champion of the world. So he starts coaching him and and the first fight that uh, that Buster has with Johnson as a coach ends in a first round knockout. So there's sort of an instant change in in, in Buster's form. Meanwhile, on sort of a much more at the high higher end of things, at the sort of at the uh, at the championship end, um, you've got Mike Tyson, okay, who he describes himself as a as a cold business like killer. You know, that's that's I think what you were saying earlier. He's just He's an unbelievable boxer. He's scary. He just, he's probably the greatest boxer of all time. You know, at 20 years old, he becomes the youngest ever heavyweight champion of the world. He beats up Frazier and just knocks him out in under 20 seconds. He's just relentless. It's unbelievable what Mike Tyson's doing. As a boxer, to face somebody who is a really good fighter and who's maybe he's going to put you down is one thing. But to go in the ring with somebody who you think, this guy might kill me. Yeah. And that must have been on his opponent's mind that Tyson was capable of killing them. And you can't help thinking that a lot of Tyson's fights were probably won way before the bell went. (laughs) It's it's quite... (laughs) Well, that's it. You know, the intimidating nature of him. Definitely. He's he's so, so scary that people... Would, would go in expecting to lose, you know, he'd, he'd almost win before the fight began. And at this time, he's, as I say, he's 20 years old, he's already won his first belt. But Buster Douglas, we're up to sort of 1986 now, so 
Puster's been with John Johnson for about two years. And he's he's steady away, he's winning a few fights, and he actually gets into the top 10 ranked heavyweight boxers, which is sort of the highest he's ever ranked. And he gets a fight against a guy called Tony Tucker. And Tony Tucker has a belt. You know, it's it's, it's always so confusing, isn't it? All these different belts and different champions. <laughs> um, so Mike Tyson's one of the champions, but, but Tony Tucker holds one of the belts. And the idea is that... Tony Tucker's going to fight Buster Douglas and then the winner will fight Mike Tyson and it'll be sort of a unification fight and the winner will will take both of these belts. So Buster Douglas is is has got is basically one fight away from fighting Mike Tyson. Uh, he's just got to he's just got to beat Tony Tucker first. So he's going into this fight. His dad's still on the coaching team. But there's just and, and as I say Buster Douglas has been in good form. He's reached the top 10. But this fight just feels a little different. There's a lot of pressure on Buster Douglas, and a lot of that pressure is coming from his dad, uh, Billy Dynamite Douglas. In the weeks building up to the fight, everyone's asking him about his father. Uh, it's all anybody wants to talk about. It's just sort of becoming a real distraction. And I mean, how is this? On the night of the fight, Billy Dynamite Douglas turns up to the fight, you know, goes ringside with his son Buster Douglas, and he's wearing a T-shirt with a name on it. But it's not Buster Douglas's name. He's wearing his own name on this T-shirt. <laughs> it's like, wow! Come on, man! Like your your solidarity. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like he's trying to live, you know, his own story. And it's like it's not about you, man. Like your time's gone. I don't know. It's it's just probably not the most healthy relationship uh, in terms of the fight and the focus for the fight. So. The fight starts and, and like Buster's winning, okay, and he's he's looking good for the win, um, but then suddenly in the tenth round, he just stops throwing punches, and Tony Tucker just beats him up in the tenth round, and uh, the referee just has to stop the fight. Commentators are calling him a quitter and like somebody who chokes and gives up, and Buster talked about it afterwards, and he just said that all of this stuff that had gone on with his dad it just sort of all built up in his mind and in that 10th round he just basically broke down and uh sort of all that i, I guess the, the relationship with his dad just came out on the ring and he basically just just gives up and that's it you know the that's his chance right he's he's beaten he's beaten uh tony tucker wins the fight and buster douglas's sort of chance at but greatness is gone and everyone thinks, yeah, he's, you know, he was, he was never anything special anyway. And now he's, you know, he, he, he sort of fulfilled what we all thought his potential was anyway, which is nothing. And, you know, he's somebody who's never going to achieve anything great. That kind of really shows, doesn't it? The relationship that he had with his dad was so toxic that he couldn't express in any other way than to fail on the 10th round of a fight that he was winning. Uh, that's what it came to. That is quite telling, isn't it, of the the whole relationship between him and his father. And the, probably there's relationship to boxing as well. Yeah, it's mad. Well, after the fight, there was a lot of people sort of thinking, is that it? Will he retire? Is he just going to like give it all up? But his coach, John Johnson, said that was never discussed. He never said he wanted to give up. But he said he needed to make some changes, and he says he's he, the first change is he's got to sack his dad from the coaching team. He arranges a meal at his parents' house and sort of asks his mum to be there. He was Buster was really close with his mum, and um, they go to this meal, and he explains that he's, he's his dad's been fired, 
furious, he's raging. And his mum sort of has to play Peacemaker. Has she got a t-shirt at the dinner with both their names on? <laughs> pretty much, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> she's the um, she's the real Peacemaker in this. And eventually, reluctantly, Jim, uh, Buster's father, Dynamite, he, he reluctantly agrees to support Buster and not to train him, but, you know, to keep the family together. And it's all a bit strained between maybe Buster and his father, but... His relationship with his mum is is really important. You know, he's a he's, he's his mum's son, and he, he's sort of always probably closer to her. But that's it, really. That's where maybe Buster's story could end after the Tucker fight. The idea that he would ever get a championship fight again is just you know not not likely. Uh, meanwhile, Mike Tyson fights Tony Tucker, beats him. Those belts are unified now. Mike Tyson is absolutely the the undisputed uh, heavyweight champion of the world. With Buster's new, without his father in the corner, Buster starts a, or he wins his next fight. Then he goes on a six-match winning spree. And, you know, he's sort of back up there again. And, um, yeah, people are thinking, maybe he's not, maybe his sort of career is not totally over after all. Then, Mike Tyson is going to fight a guy called Evander Holyfield, right? Now, Evander Holyfield is seen as the number one contender for the for the heavyweight championship. So Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield have this match set up for June of 1990. Mike Tyson needs a tune-up fight, as they call it. You know, just, just a fight to get into a bit of form. Somebody, you know, who's not going to challenge him too much, but is going to, you know, make a, make a thing of it. So Don King, who's uh, Mike Tyson's promoter. Lovely lad. Lovely guy, yeah. Another, another, another bad man. Um, well, he he invites Buster Douglas to fight him. Nobody's given Buster Douglas a chance. Like the papers, when it's scheduled, they they refer to him as Mike Tyson's next victim. Okay, it's wow. like it's already. So why Buster Douglas was was the whole purpose of it that he wanted somebody who maybe could give Tyson a good three or four rounds and then lie down. Was that the idea? Yeah, I think it often happens, you know, before a big before a big match. And it's not just in boxing, but, you know, in all sports, you'll have these warm-up matches, you know, just to sort of really uh, sharpen your skills. And it's probably just a little different to sparring, you know, to have, you know, where, where your sparring partner is, I guess, in your team, um, you know, to go out and fight somebody else. I guess it just probably brings an intensity which uh, which can't be replicated in the gym, maybe. So it's just about getting yourself ready, I guess, for that for that big title fight, which uh, which is against Evander Holyfield. This is this is a warm up match, really. So you don't, definitely don't want to book someone who's going to lay you out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Who's going to destroy you but, and your but, confidence and potentially cost you the next fight. Well, exactly. But I mean, it's, as I say, it's seen as a foregone conclusion, right? This is a warm-up match to the point where, because Mike Tyson tends to go through people so quickly, there isn't the appetite in America to have this fight, even though they're two American boxers. So they take it on the road and basically the Japanese are up for it. So (laughs) it goes to Tokyo. Sorry, say that again. The Japanese. The Japanese, yeah. So the the fight is going to be held in Tokyo. Get out of town. Well, literally, get out of town. Get Go out of to Tokyo. Yeah. I mean, that is extraordinary. I didn't. But it, but I didn't it's, even it's think that would be a, a boxing destination. Option. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's seen as a you know it it it's the kind of place which maybe a, a huge fight wouldn't happen. But as I say, this isn't really a huge fight. It's a warm up match. It's it's a good opportunity to promote 
Mike Tyson's brand. I mean, he's paid $6 million just to turn up and people are saying to Buster Douglas, like you just asked there, why would you even want this fight? Well, that, that's what people are saying to Buster Douglas and saying to his family, like, wow, he must be so desperate for money. You know, God, there's easier ways to make a million dollars than to get killed by Mike Tyson. <laughs> there's just all these jokes flying around. It's, it's just a foregone conclusion. But Buster's mum, she sort of, you know, she, she she's no fool. You know, she's really proud of her son, but she's genuinely concerned that Buster could be killed in this fight. And she doesn't want it to go ahead. Uh, and she goes to see him and she, she sort of calls around his house and just says, look, son, I think, uh, you know, I'm really worried about you and I'm concerned that, about this fight. And he looks at her and he says, do you know what? You should be concerned about the other guy. And she said that was the first time in his boxing career where she'd seen her husband's intensity in her son. And mm. suddenly she she wasn't scared anymore. She was like, you know what? My son's going to beat Mike Tyson. And she just believed because she saw this intensity. And I think all of the jokes and all of the assumptions really gave Buster point to prove. You know, and he was sick of being told he was just a nothing fighter, you know, just a sort of just there to make up the numbers and i suppose there must be an element as well where you know yeah sure you'd be scared a little bit fighting mike tyson a little bit like speaking like from my point of view a lot but at the same time as a middling boxer to be able to fight mike tyson in a big fight in tokyo where there's going to be a very passionate crowd watching there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on it certainly in japan i mean it's a bit like when Chesterfield draw Manchester United in the FA Cup. It's like, well, you might get beaten five nil on a day, but it's a good like good fun, isn't it, to play against the best? You know, <laughs> well, so, so long as you don't get killed. Yeah, I suppose that's the difference. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, nobody in also, Chesterfield's going to, you know, probably die playing Man U. Yeah, but I see your point. Did his mother after then go around to Mike Tyson and say, "Look, Mike, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about I've you. Just, yeah, well, she I've just seen done. my son." <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. She, she probably should have done. Um, but, but in the build-up to this fight, as I said, nobody's taken it too seriously. And that probably maybe includes Mike Tyson as well. As I said, he's been paid $6 million just to turn up in Tokyo. But in the weeks leading up to it, he's going on game shows, he's on TV, he's on talk shows. He's, he's sort of a bit all over the place. His social life is... There's a bit of turmoil there. His, his wife is... Um, is filed for divorce because uh, he threatened to kill her. You know, that's that's probably a bit of a distraction. Mike Tyson's actually knocked over by his sparring partner in, in the weeks building up to it as well, which it just doesn't happen. Um, so there's, I guess, maybe a, a bit of talk that perhaps Mike Tyson seems a little bit distracted. It doesn't really matter in terms of the eyes of the pundits and the public and the commentators. He's still absolutely the favourite. And... You know, whilst Mike Tyson might have some things going on, like his divorce, that's nothing compared to what Buster has to go through. Three weeks before the fight, his mum has a stroke and dies. And I've said, right, like, this guy is so close to his mum. And, yeah, she she dies. And it's it's obviously hits him really hard. You know, his his whole family are now worried that he doesn't have the focus. John Johnson, his coach, meets with him and says, maybe we should postpone this fight. Everyone's really worried that it's sort of going to be a, have a real negative impact on, on Buster's preparation. 
But Buster says to, to his coach and his family that his mum was always so proud of him and he wants to use her death as fuel. What, is she being cremated? <laughs> God, I thought that's dark, Ian. Wow. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like He believes that she's looking down on him and he wants to, to, to do good and he wants the fight to carry on. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like 20 days or something between her death or her funeral and the, the fight. So a week after her death, he, he has to go. You know, he flies to Tokyo, but he's in probably the the best physical shape of his entire life. Um, he's got a point to prove. And his relationship with his dad is as good as it's ever been. So he phones his dad from Tokyo and he's talking to him and his dad's really positive and is really proud of him. And Buster's sort of coming into this fight in a maybe different mindset and certain different certainly a different uh, physical condition to any of his previous fights. You know, he's got a determination which perhaps he's lacked through the rest of his career. But he's facing Mike Tyson, (laughs) the undisputed, (laughs) undefeated heavyweight champion of the world. And as I said, nobody believes that he has a hope, right? Um, The bookmakers in Las Vegas, the casinos aren't even offering odds on this fight because it's such a foregone conclusion. There's one casino... That, that runs a book on it. And to even attract any bets on Buster Douglas, they have to give odds of 42 to 1. You know, they're not accepting bets on Mike Tyson to win because it's going to happen. So the only available bet is 42 to 1 Buster Douglas. Bear in mind, there's only two outcomes available. <laughs> you know what I mean? That means that if you play, if you bet... £100, you'd get £4,200 back. It's absolutely crazy. It's bonkers. Um, (laughs) But the fight begins, and it's remarkable, because as you said quite rightly, Ian, a lot of these guys would come in to fight Mike Tyson, and they'd be scared, and they'd be looking to survive, and maybe land one big hit. So they'd be sort of on the back foot already. But Buster Douglas comes out fighting, and from the beginning, the commentators are just in disbelief. They, they can't believe it. The fans can't believe it. Mike Tyson's not really being used. He's not really used to being attacked. And the first few rounds, Buster Douglas is coming out and he's landing these huge punch, punches. And it's the first four rounds. He's, he's winning. He's definitely, definitely winning this fight. And by the fifth round, the Tyson corners just... They're in panic mode. They they absolutely can't believe what's happening. Tyson's right eye starts bleeding. They're so unprepared. You know, they they didn't expect that Tyson was going to be given a fight. So they hadn't even brought the um, the end swells or ice packs. Just just standard equipment for a fight. They hadn't even brought it. So when Tyson's eye starts bleeding, they haven't got the equipment. So they have to fill a rubber glove with icy water to hold it on Tyson's eye between rounds to reduce the swelling. Like, it's just bonkers. Wow. And then at one point, one of Tyson's guys, a guy called Aaron Snowell, primary guy in the corner, he's got uh, his identification badge hanging down from around his neck like on a lanyard. He's got a bit of a chain. And as he's leaning forward, the chain gets sort of caught between the eye and this icy glove. So he moves back. And you can see Tyson's wincing in pain as this chain from the landyard sort of slices up against the damaged eye. So it's it's just confusion, it's panic, <laughs> it's it's chaos really. And and Tyson's losing. And people, you know, the commentators can't believe it. 
And they're so excited. You should hear the voices of these guys. They're just, there's another big hit by Buster. Another big hit. It's kind of, it's verging on being patronising. But Buster's, yeah, he's well in this fight. And it's, it's, it's going late. Tyson's corner, their tactic is just land an uppercut on Buster Douglas and you'll end the fight. Just get one big uppercut in on Buster Douglas and it's over. And they keep saying the same thing to Tyson. Just get the uppercut. Just do the uppercut. But it's just not proving an effective tactic at all. And so is this like Tyson's special move at the end of like Street Fighter? Yeah, exactly. Like finish just him. And get in there he's with just the gonna play. He's just got one. He's just got to press the right combination of keys and then exactly. bang. Just get it. in there. Get in close enough. Land the uppercut and the fight will end because you're Mike Tyson and that's what you'll do. But for the first eight and a half rounds, it's not effective. It's just not working. But then in the ninth round, it works. Tyson, he lands this huge punch on on Buster Douglas and he sends him to the ground and the referee starts the count. And on the nine count, he's up. But you hear the commentators say, you know, it look he looks okay. He's he's on the floor for nine seconds, but he's not staggering around. He's basically sitting there waiting, just catching his breath, you know, because once he stands up, the fight's gonna continue. So he uses nine of his ten seconds. But it's a bit controversial, lad, because after the fight, Don King, Tyson's promoter, is complaining that the referee had started his count slowly, which he sort of had, actually. So maybe at that moment, Buster Douglas should have, uh, should have been counted out. But to be fair to Buster Douglas, he only sat there because, you know, he, he could. Uh, he, he could hear the referee giving the count. So And to be fair, like, the referee, he's got a count in Japanese, and he? So... <laughs> <laughs> It takes longer. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. I mean, he's not. <laughs> but um, but they go into the 10th round. Tyson pu- pushes forward. You know, he's, uh, he's hurting from the accumulation of punishment that he's been given throughout the, uh, the match. He wants the fight over. But Douglas gets a few jabs in and then just lands his own huge uppercut on on Tyson's head, and it just stops Tyson dead in his tracks. And as he starts reeling, Douglas just starts throwing these huge punches. I think he gets four punches in on his head, and Tyson just goes down. And it's the first time he's gone down in his career, okay? Mike Tyson, up to this point, as I said, has never been challenged. He's never been knocked over. He's never, never, ever been, you know, even close to losing a fight. And now... He's out, he's on the floor, and his mouth guards come out, and there's this really famous footage of Tyson fumbling around on the canvas, trying to pick up his mouthpiece, and trying to put it back in his sort of gum shield. But he kind of puts it in, like, upside down and back to front, so it's, like, curved up around his cheek, and he's trying to get it in, and he's absolutely all over the place. He's like a, a, you know, drunk man, just staggering all over. The referee just just calls the fight that's that's it but he's you know Tyson maybe wanted to keep going but uh but he's counted out and the fight is over Buster Douglas is the new undisputed heavyweight champion of the world goodness me Buster I mean fair enough Tyson should have got some bonus points for being able to pick up a mouth shield with with gloves on on. (laughs) I mean that is great dexterity to be fair that sounds like a parlor game (laughs) 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 just kind of (laughs) 
<laughs> that, that is extraordinary. What was the fallout from this? What was the reaction? Because Tyson, I mean, Tyson must have been fairly uh, shocked by this. He must have been reeling. He must have been livid. Everyone was shocked. I mean, this is a guy who, yeah, he's a 42 to 1, you know, outsider. Yeah, people are stunned. As I said, Don King uh, immediately starts complaining about this um, the, this slow count. And the WBA and the WBC basically initially agree with Don King and they suspend recognition of Douglas as a champion. Um, but the IBF immediately accept that the result is valid. Obviously, it's a huge public outcry because Buster Douglas is, you know, everyone's taking him into their hearts. Um, there's demands from boxing commissions around the world. And yeah, basically, they, they reverse their decision and do acknowledge Douglas as a champion. But it takes four days for this to happen, which I guess sort of takes takes the shine off a little bit for Douglas. You know, he's, he's just won this huge fight. And then there's all this controversy of whether or not it, it should actually stand. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 huge. Uh, and then, of course, now he's got he's the one who's going to have to fight Evander Holyfield. Um, people are saying maybe there'll be a rematch between Tyson. It never actually happens. But Douglas's first title defense is against Evander Holyfield. Like I said earlier, maybe Douglas lacked that motivation. Maybe just for one time in his life, he was able to 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 find it and really bring his determination because. When he came to defend his championships against Evander Holyfield, he's overweight. He weighed 6.6 kilograms more than when he fought Tyson. That's 14 and a half pounds. He's, he's put on all his weight. Uh, he's knocked out by Holyfield in the third round. And that's it. Uh, he retires. Uh, he did have a comeback six years later. But he, he, he fought for a couple of years, sort of just against journeyman opposition and... Uh, and then retired again in 1999, and and that was it. That was his. That was his career. But you know, it, it was this one fight which I guess defines Buster Douglas. Um, this this one moment, this real, I guess it's a Cinderella tale or a, a real Rocky story. You know, like uh, Rocky Balboa style, a real life he lives kind of moment. But that's that. So many ingredients to that story. I think the main thing that we've learned from that story, Matt, is that those stupid lanyards you'd have to wear around your neck for accreditation. I mean, I honestly, I hate those things. And you've proven why they should never be worn. (laughs) Clearly. I mean, of all the things to like really rile Mike Tyson as well. Yeah. A chain off a lanyard. Amazing. But what a story. I mean, that is truly against all the odds. Wow. It's one of those things that you think, well, would you, what would you give just for one? You know, like as a boxer, you'd say, well, I'd love to beat Mike Tyson just once. Yeah. Like, have you got something that you would just, just once? I just want to score against Newcastle United (laughs) at St. James's Park just once. It yeah. doesn't even have to be a good goal. It's just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's a great story, Matt. Thanks so much. And thank you for listening to The Wheel of Sport. Make sure you share it with people who you think would enjoy it. And also rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And 
write us a note, a message, a letter. A suggestion for a show. Yeah, oh yeah, suggestions for shows. We do have lots of suggestions in, in the vault already, but we do appreciate. We did do one for one of our American listeners who suggested L.W. Wright, the NASCAR legend who never raced in one nascar race never never to be seen again uh that's a great episode to listen to in the back catalog but that was a a listener suggestion so please be like a listener who suggests things and let us know on uh instagram at the wheel of sports or twitter at the wheel of sports or the wheel of sports at gmail.com thanks so much matt we'll see you next time for another one of the greatest sports stories ever told thank you Bye.